Hi everyone, this is Danielle Watley and you're listening to HBA BuildCast. Welcome back to the HBA BuildCast. We're here today with one of our favorite people, Chris Pike. He's the owner of Canebrake Builders and one of our elite builder champions. Thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about your business? A little bit about our business. So best story about our business, I I do have have a business partner also, and we got into this by complete accident. Um, I was, I've been a licensed commercial real estate broker for 17 years and was doing that, doing well, loved it. And one of my clients at the time in real estate, I was selling him all the the dirt for subdivisions. He's a developer that we all know. And uh, he had been kind of pressuring me to build a couple of houses just on the side and he was going to help me do it. Uh, I really didn't want to do it. I, I, I put it off for a couple of years, and finally he, he just kept talking about it. And, and finally I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And I was telling a friend of mine about it, uh, who's my business partner now. Um, and when I was telling him about it, it was something he really wanted to do too. And he says, well, I, well, I want to do it with you. And and so about a five-minute conversation with him, we decide to do five houses right out the gate. Um and it just really blew up from there and, and, and got out of hand quickly <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> and about a, about a year into it, you know, we looked at each other and I said, I guess we're really doing this. Like this, this isn't a little side deal anymore. We're, this is what we're doing. So, so that's kind of how we got started. Um, and that, I don't know, that was six years ago, I guess. Wow. So it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah. What would you say makes Cambridge different than other builders? I don't know. I think a lot of the guys, I mean, I, I have I have an answer to that, um, but I, I think a lot of guys probably do the same thing. Uh, one thing that we tell our homeowners that we definitely do, but, I, but it's not necessarily that the other guys don't do it, um, is that, so I am the partner, owner, principal, whatever you want to call it, of the company, and I am literally on the job every single day. Um, a lot of guys have superintendents. We don't have a superintendent. I am the superintendent. Um, I think that that makes a big difference. Um, but again, I, I think a lot of the builders probably, even the ones that have the superintendents that are there every day, the other the other guys, you know, they're they're there regularly. Uh, so I don't know that we're really much different in that way. But it's definitely something that we do. Well, I know as a homeowner, it would be really reassuring to have the builder directly on site every day, especially during a project. I mean, there's so much that goes into building a home. I can only imagine. I mean, you're right there to answer all those questions if they're there, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think one of our greatest strengths, um, I guess give myself a little bit of credit here, is at the end of the process, so far, I, th- I think we're batting a thousand on this, um, We have, I have become very good friends with every single person we've ever built a house for. That's amazing. They're still in my phone. I talk to them regularly, um, and and they they would all say the same thing. Um, And I think that's a testament to us and and that process of of staying, me being involved every day, and they see me on the job every day. I'm the guy that they're talking to. They're They're not talking to the subs. They're not talking 
to a lot of the vendors that I'm the point of contact. And so through that 10-month marriage, we, we become really good friends. Yeah, that's awesome. What would you say your aesthetic is as a builder? I don't think we really have one. Um, you know, we build, the, the developments that we build in sort of have their own aesthetic that that's developed and 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 we we fall in line with that like we are you know one of the builders in the preserve at harveston and i and i think if you drive in there you'll you'll see what the style is it's the style that people looking to live in harveston like and want and so that's what we deliver um we have a development that we did on on brentwood uh, called brentwood park which is a little different style architecturally um, because it, it's a different buyer than what we have in Harveston. Um, so I, I think the our style is more driven by who the buyer is going to be and what they want. Well, besides those two developments, are, are there any other that you're working on right now? So the biggest one coming up real soon, in fact, we have a, a meeting next week with the builders, uh, is the lakes at Harveston. Uh, which is, I'm sure there'll be a lot of things in the paper and, and different media announcing it. So I don't, I don't want to say too much, but um, you know, we've, we're finishing or finished at this point the preserve at Harveston. Uh, so the next phase of that is called the lakes at Harveston, and it's big. It's almost 1,100 lots, and those are coming online right now. So we're we have a model home that we'll be starting there in the next 30 days um and and we'll see you know what happens from there but uh and that's also going to be a parade development entry right i think you helped us with that i tried to help <laughs> but i don't call those shots yeah so um everybody will be able to go see i mean is it possible that that um that home that you were just talking about that you are going to start in the next 30 days would be possibly ready by parade not going to be ready for this parade <laughs> no way uh, but it, you know and there there will be five builders um as part of the harveston builder group uh building in the lakes at harveston and we will all have model homes and uh, i don't want to speak for the other guys but um, they'll all be in the parade 2022 we'll, we'll definitely be finished by that would you say that there is a trend in building that's going on right now I don't know if there's a trend. I think there's lots of trends, but they but they change with the wind. Honestly, um, you know everything seems to be trending up. I guess I'll say that um, in in terms of the level and quality of finishes that people expect now. Um, at, at least in the neighborhoods where where we are building, which is you know our houses are started. The high fives, six hundred thousand, uh, and and go up from there. We're we're about to start one right now. That's right at a million. Um, so you definitely get a higher level of finish or expectation from the buyer at that price level. Um, some of the things that we were putting people, not just us, that that you were finishing these houses with ten years ago, which. Take like granite, for example, you know, when granite came out, that that was the big thing. It was fancy. Everybody had, you had to have slab granite in your house. We haven't put granite in a house in a long time. It, now, now we're, now we're putting quartzite, you know, which is in some cases 
three times as much as granite. So I think the trends sort of, maybe they follow the TV shows, I guess, on HGTV and and all these, they, people see things on TV and that, that's what they want now. Um, so you don't find yourself sort of educating, um, I know, you know, there's a lot of issues going on with lumber prices and, and, you know, causing different issues with materials, trying to gather them for a building process right now. Do you have to kind of encourage and educate the, your clients on, you know, what's available and like what's in their price range? Like how is that affecting your process? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely some level of education that we have to provide for the homeowner. Um, this house that we're about to start right now that's pushing a million dollars, um, we actually delayed it three months because of lumber prices. Um, even though it's a million dollars, the buyer, they do have a budget and you know they weren't really interested in adding $40,000 to the price just because of lumber prices. So we delayed it, hoping that the prices would come down. They've come down a little bit. They're still too high. Um, but, you know, in terms of the finishes, I don't, I don't know that we need to educate the buyers that much. Most of the ones that we run across know exactly what they want. Um, they know they want quartzite. They, they, they know what plumbing fixtures they want. Um, you know, they, they sort of already know. So I don't really need to educate them. That's great. I can tell you, I mean, I, I'm i not a huge HDTV fan, but I know a lot of people are, so I can imagine that a lot of those trends, like how shiplap was probably everywhere for a very long time. It and was. Yeah, those kind of trends, which I've heard that's actually on the downslope. Yeah, now. we haven't done that in a while. Yeah. Um, we're, you'll still see accent walls <laughs> done, but not really with shiplap. Um, I think the whole Joanna Gaines thing yeah. is kind of fading away a little bit. <laughs> They've got big things going on. Uh, so would you, uh, well, I know you said that, you know, it was kind of a whirlwind start to how your company was formed and how y'all really got started. I'm not sure if that's really, you know, a lot of people's stories, but what advice would you give somebody that's really wanting to start like in switch careers, sort of like how you did. I mean, you were in this a similar feel with homes, but you really took you know a real turn to go where you are now. Yeah, I, I mean, the only I guess two pieces of advice would be one: be patient. Um, you know, you've you've heard it all the time. There's there's really no such thing as a get rich quick scheme. Uh, home building is certainly not that. Um, you're not just going to go out build a house, make a million dollars, and oh, that was easy. Uh, it takes a lot of years to become profitable. Um, the other piece of advice, really, which, which is how I am, is, and I've done this with, with building, is you really just have to totally immerse yourself into this. If you're going to change careers or change fields, you, you need to learn everything you can about it. Um, talk to other people. Do the job. So when we started, this is another great story, I think, from when we started, um, I had a guy that was helping us on the first couple of houses. I guess you could call him a superintendent, um, but he's really more of an advisor. And the first thing I did was went to Home Depot and I bought a whole bunch of tools. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, what are you doing? I said, we're going to build a house, right? Well, I need tools. And he just laughed. He said, you're not going to build a house. You know, you just need your phone. Um, 
but I did. I, I, I didn't really build the house, but, but I was there every single day. Um, you know, I've been on every single concrete pour that we've ever had at two, three in the morning and watching these guys and, and, and talking to them and trying to learn what they know. I'm not the plumber, I'm not the electrician, but the more I know about the job that they're doing, the easier it is for me to do this and make decisions. So I think you just have to totally immerse yourself in it and learn everything that you can. That's great advice. Do you, would you say that there's any you know major challenges that you faced when you were starting? Oh yeah, I mean, there's always challenges and everything. We, we still face the same challenges. Um, at the end of the day, we're building a house and we're kind of I would say 50% custom and 50% I'll say, I'll say spec but I hate that word spec uh, because keep in mind the houses we're building are six seven hundred thousand dollars they are speculative because we're building them without a buyer um, but they're custom in every sense of the word we just customize them um, the challenge there is when you get to the six and seven hundred thousand dollar price range you have a buyer that in most cases knows exactly what they want. They have a certain level of expectations at that price point. They don't want to deviate from it. If they're paying $700,000 for a house, they want to get what they want to get. And we're trying to predict that. So, you know, I'm building a house and I'm selecting the light fixtures, or I mean, we have other people that do that, not me personally. Um, And I'm trying to predict what you're going to, like at this price range and that's challenging um we we have a lot of light fixtures in our warehouse that people come in and that's something that's easy to change and so you know buyer comes in and they want to buy the house but they don't like the chandelier then we'll swap it out for them and we just keep it easy Um, peasy so yeah that's definitely a challenge what would you say is a common myth or misconception about home building that it's a headache. It's really not a headache as far as the homeowners go. We, we meet with a lot of people or a lot of people are scared off by this process because they, they think it's, you know, a lot of problems. It's a big headache. Um, they're not going to get along with their builder. There's, there's a lot of people out there that don't have great stories about building a house as far as the relationship with their builder. Um, I think a lot of the guys in town on us particularly um, have broken that trend and and we we do get along wonderfully with all of our buyers I'll tell you like for me you know the thought of building a house what overwhelms me um, as a potential buyer would be um, picking out everything all at once is that something that is a myth or misconception anything like that where I yeah would- I think it's definitely a misconception um, once you get into this particularly with the vendors that we use, for, for these items, whether it be, you know, LCR, where you're going to pick out your plumbing fixtures, um, or stone and cloth, where, where you're going to pick out your floors and your countertops. Um, the people that work there are so knowledgeable, and, and we get a lot of compliments. People, after they go meet with some of these vendors, they call me and tell me how pleasant of an experience it was. It's really a lot of fun, I can imagine. I mean, that's the fun part of building a house, is going pick out all the things that you want. The hard part, the dirty part, that is a headache, is is my part of it. But we don't really involve you in the headache part. We we deal with that. That's our job. So you don't really you're insulated to a large degree from from 
the behind the scenes things that are a headache. Um, we have a lot of homeowners that we've built a house for that have, have told us at the end, this was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, and they look forward to doing it again. So, it, it, so I think there's a big misconception that it's, that you're going to hate your builder, that you're not going to be happy with the final product. And, and I'm sure that those occasions do happen, but they haven't with us. That's great. Well, it sounds like a lot of the reason why, at least for your experience, is that you are so involved in the process in every aspect, which, I mean, I'm sure if you don't have a builder that is there making sure that the subs are there on time when they say they're going to be and all of that, like that could probably be a lot of the headache issue, correct? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it is exactly what you say. Um, a big part of it is me being there and I'm the, I'm the contact. I'm the guy you're dealing with. But the other probably bigger part of that are the subcontractors. The sub, because at the end of the day, those are the guys that are building the house. We're not building the house. They are. I'm just managing it, making sure that they're there the day that they're supposed to be, making sure they have the materials that they need to have. But they're the guys doing the work. Um, and, and so they're the real professionals. So one, one practice we have is that we really believe that the subs that we have are the best guys in town. They are... Our plumber's the best plumber here. Our electrician's the best plumber, um, excuse me, electrician here, in our opinion. Um, we don't change subs. I've had the same guys basically since we started. Um, we, don't, we don't go out for bid. They're, they're doing every job. Uh, so that eliminates a lot of the problems because they know, first of all, they and I have, have a wonderful working relationship. They know what we expect. I, I know what they expect from me, um, and they're really good at their job, and so it eliminates so many of the problems by, by doing that. What would you say, I mean, you're um, a huge part of our advocacy efforts at the HBA, and you know, you're one of our Elite Builder Champions. What does your involvement in the HBA mean to you? Why is that important to you? Well, I, I mean, it's most important because this, this is my industry. This is how I make a living. Um, it, 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 advocacy is something that I definitely care about um, in, in lots of different things, but, but this one in particular because it's my industry. Uh, and I, I just can't imagine anyone being in an industry or, or being involved in anything in their life and not getting as involved as they possibly can on, on things that directly affect you. I mean, the... You know, the meetings that we have here at HBA are eye-opening to, to see the issues that not just me, but other builders are facing too. And, and the work that we do to try to solve those issues for everybody is, is so important. Is there a particular um, effort that you want to talk about that you're really proud that you were involved to be in with us? I think uh, right now the, the, you know, the discussions going on with the permit office to try to iron out so many of the issues that everyone's had, and, and I think we've made a lot of improvements there. Um, and, and I think that those, probably those discussions are the most beneficial so that they would be the most enjoyable, I guess, because those are the things that affect me every single day. And so we improve those things and, and, and all of our jobs get a little bit easier. 
Well, I know having you at the table and, you know, some of our other members that have been able to be present for those meetings, it holds a lot of weight because like you said, like these are issues you're dealing with on a regular basis, hearing it straight from your mouth to, you know, officials. I mean, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference. And it, and it's <clears throat> just having the conversation is, is helpful for us because, you know, we, we go about our day and, and, and we're having an issue and, you know, I could think that it's just my issue that maybe this isn't really a, a problem. It's just something that, that I'm running into. But when you come to these meetings with the other builders and you realize that it's sometimes it's pretty widespread and they're having the same issues. And and so I, that's a real benefit to get a lot of the same guys in the room talking about this stuff and realize, okay, maybe we have a problem here. We need to try to fix it. All right, we're going to round out the interview with um, some bonus questions. Bonus questions. Yes. So what is your favorite 90s song? And if you're not a 90s fan, we can go 80s, 70s. Golly, music. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was, I'm 43. I was born in 77. So I guess I'm 80s and 90s, um, two different decades. You know, music, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a country music guy, um, and I've always been that most of my life. Um, I used to tell people I, I listen to both kinds of music, country and western. Um, but you know you can't grow up in the 80s and 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 not be a fan of the the big hair bands and all that stuff so uh, back in the 80s I guess I was a uh, we'll say poison was one of my bands back then that's probably before y'all's time um, 90s 90s was more country music for me anyone in particular George Strait nice I know you're avid reader as well I am so are you more of, you know, a nonfiction or are you Yes, like totally nonfiction. Um, I have read, I think, every single book that's ever been written by or about Navy SEALs and any of the really the special forces in the military, um, only nonfiction. And <clears throat> I read them. There's actually a lot of business advice in those books if if you read between the lines um the navy seals in particular and, I, and i'm not a military guy i never was wish i wish i had done that but i didn't um but these guys have certain procedures and practices that that really we apply in business um and i'll say you know one of the biggest ones is they play in from the bottom up, I guess is how they put it. So you may have the officer who's ultimately gonna make the decision, but at least in the special forces, they ask the guys on the bottom, what do, what do you think? And, and they sort of play them from the bottom up. Um, and so we've tried to do that with with our business, and, and I hate to use the word the bottom um, because it's not guys on the bottom, but when we build a house, I do this every single house. My carpenter will come to me and he'll ask me, how do you want to do this? And I immediately throw it back to him and say, well, what do you think? You're the carpenter. Well, how do you think it would look best? Well, I think we need to do this, this, this. I say, okay, well, then do it that way. You know, same. So I ask all of our guys, you know, the electrician wants to ask me. He doesn't ask me how to wire something. You're, you're the expert. Do what you think. 
Absolutely. I mean, it makes the most sense at the end of the day, right. for sure. So I've mean, learned a lot yeah. of that by reading these books, and they're also incredibly motivating, really. Yeah. My husband's a huge fan of those books as well, but he's never explained it the same way as you, so maybe I'll pick one yeah. up. We have a, you know, he has a small portion of our little library upstairs that he has devoted to well, that. Well, I can recommend plenty if he I was needs to say, some I will advice. probably get with you about that. Uh, what would you say you're not very good at? Oh, wow. That's a tough question. I'm not good at a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I'm not good at communicating. Okay, I don't want to get too deep here, but uh, I don't really, I, I tend to not say what I'm really thinking. I'm, I try Communication's to be too hard. Nice. I try to be too nice. I don't Do you think that's a anybody. southern thing or like a personality thing? I always no, wonder I, that sometimes. I don't know. I think it's more personality. Um, I, I'm a, a pleaser, I guess. I want I want everybody to, to, to be happy around me, and, and I don't want to say something that makes you not happy. Uh, so I may be thinking it, but I have a hard time saying that, which is tough to do in, in this business because sometimes I, I do need to say something that you may not agree with or like what it is. Yeah. As a, as a fellow people pleaser, I can, I can sympathize with that. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I would say I'm not very good at sports, even though I think I am sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was a sports guy growing up, mainly baseball, um, and played baseball in college and really enjoyed that and uh, can't play anymore, but I do coach now, so so I am a, I am a sports guy. Have you done any like, co-ed teams as an adult? No, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little too old and overweight now. I don't think I could still play. Oh, I'm sure you could. I can play with the little nine-year-olds that I coach. I, no. I, can, I can still hang with them. But that's about it. <laughs> is that machine pitch at that age? Or no, is that, no. It's no. So it's, pitching? It's, yeah, nine-year-old. Uh, this is our first year, what we call kid pitch. Um, it's been coach's pitch the past two years. But this is the first year that, that the kids will be pitching to each other. So wow. It's a, yeah, it's uh, it's been an experience so far. We have our first tournament next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of balls hitting kids. Or... Yeah, probably so. Um, yeah, they're going to get hit. Uh, it, it, you know, my kid, my son's been hit. Yeah, I think he was the first one to get hit. And it was kind of good. Get it out of the way. It doesn't really hurt. Yeah. I mean, it, you think it hurts worse than it actually does. Th- this year will be interesting. It's uh, When you have a coach that's throwing it in the same spot every time, you know, these last year they were eight, um, they sort of know what's going to happen. But now you put another kid up there that doesn't really know how to pitch either and no telling where the ball is going to go. And so their little brains are going a million miles an hour hoping this ball doesn't hit them. (laughs) So uh, it's fun. I'm sure it's entertaining. Um, What would you say is an unpopular opinion you have? Like an example would be, you know, pineapple and pizza. I love pineapple and pizza. Really? Yeah. Pineapple and ham. In fact, I had pizza. I had a ham pizza last night, but it didn't have pineapple on it. But I wanted that, and the place didn't have it. From where? I was from uh, Pizza Byron's right up here in Wilmington. Oh, Road, nice! Which is great pizza, by the way. But they need to add pineapple. Yeah. On, on the pizza. Um, <laughs> so that's not unpopular for you. Yeah, I have a lot of unpopular opinions. Probably, I don't know that I could name one on the spot. Um, you know, I'm 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 pretty outspoken politically. Um, so there's definitely people that wouldn't agree with what I think uh, about politics. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I, I have an answer for that, but but probably a lot of unpopular opinions. 
Are you a Canes or Chick-fil-A fan? Neither one. Neither? No. Where are you at on this? I don't like chicken. <laughs> what? Well, you know, I, I, if I had to pick, I, I, golly, it's hard to say this because Canes is, you know, the, the local product. Um, but Chick-fil-A is better than Canes. Um, I agree. But, but I, I guess because I have two kids and we eat there three times a week. Uh, so I really... At couple Canes? Of, oh, Canes or Chick-fil-A. Oh, okay. That's all they want. And so I, I got tired of it five years ago. So you're more of a burger fan? Yeah, I'm a burger guy. Okay, what's your favorite burger spot here? Uh, favorite burger? We have some great hamburger spots here. I think Burger Smith probably makes the best hamburger. Um, not really. I try to stay away from the fast food places. Um, burger Smith, I would go with. We have a lot of great burger. burger places. So Yeah, we really do. I've um, heard Doe's is great. Oh, Doe's is phenomenal. They actually have a, a hamburger steak on the lunch menu that is unbelievable oh I'll it, have to check it's that out. really incredible yeah Doe's mm-hmm. is wonderful um yeah we have a lot of great burger joints well i hear uh you're also a bit of a chef I like to cook some gumbo i do i cook quite a bit what um, type of gumbo is your like go-to chicken and sausage is the go-to um in fact i'll i'll i'll, I'll throw out and i'll remind him of the challenge but uh Brian O'Quinn and I are supposed to be having a gumbo cook-off. And what? I, I think he's scared to do it. So Where is this happening? that happen. I don't know. We talked about it about a year ago, and then we've never done it. Okay. Well, but yeah, we're, I'll we're put my gumbo up against anybody. Uh, so are you a rice or potato salad? Definitely potato salad. I, I cook rice. Um, personally, I put a little bit. I put a little bit of rice in my gumbo and a lot of potato salad, but I like a little bit of rice in there with it. Do you have a particular type of potato salad? I know there's like so many different types that you want. No, not really. Um, you know, a lot of lot of hard boiled eggs in it. Um, I don't give away all my secrets here, but <laughs> I put uh, Wickles relish in my potato salad, which is a little different than a regular sweet relish. Okay. Wickles. Wickles. In the grocery store, it's really great. Pro they tip. Make, they make pickles also, but the relish is really good in the potato salad. Um, I tend to put a little bit more mustard in the potato salad than some people do. Uh, really, it just, and then I kind of mash them up a good bit for a gumbo because I think I don't like potato salad that where the potatoes are a little bit hard and they're kind of, they're more cubed. Yeah. Mine's more of a mash. Okay. That was mainly the thing I was trying to get at because I feel like, you know, sometimes I've had, I grew up, I didn't even know potato salad and gumbo was a thing. And then when I had it the first time, it was like really cubed kind of chunks of potato. I don't think that works. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, I feel like the point of it is to make it creamier and, you know, just a little bit thicker. I agree. Is your gumbo like dark roux or? Yeah, I like a dark roux. If I'm not going to cook, other than my gumbo, speaking of dark roux, and we're close, Roux 61 has the best gumbo in town. It it's, It is almost black. It is what? so good. That's my favorite um, kind. It's a shrimp and sausage gumbo. It's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, dark roux, very dark roux. Um, and I, I'll, I'll just give away the biggest secret of my <laughs> gumbo is that I smoke the chicken before I put it in there. Nice. Yeah. So besides gumbo, do you have any other like go-tos that you're like, I am really great at this? No, not, not particularly. I mean, so I, most of my cook, and I do cook at home, although we, you know, between work and my wife is busy with work too, and we have two little kids that are playing baseball or basketball or whatever, we, during the week we stay pretty busy, so we, we do tend to eat out more than we'd like to. Um, 
So most of my cooking happens at the camp for large groups of people. So anything that you can cook for 10 or 12 people is, is kind of what I enjoy doing. Nice. Do you have a favorite childhood memory you want to share with us? Boy, I have a lot of childhood memories, really. Um, most of my childhood memories center around baseball or other sports too, but mostly baseball. It's funny. Um, I, I tell this story to, to my baseball team all the time. Um, I, other than one person that I went to high school with, it's the only person that I ever played baseball with that I also went to school with. So I, I grew up, I have lots of friends today that are people that I just played baseball with. That's how I know them. I never went to school with them. I didn't live in the neighborhood with them. We just played on the same baseball team. And so, you know, we'll see people out and about and, and, you know, my wife, if if she meets somebody that, that she'd never met before, that's a friend of mine from when I was a kid, um, after after the introduction she just looks she'll look at me and say is that a baseball friend so, yeah mm-hmm. it was so I, I think my childhood memories the the best ones that I have are are you know with my friends playing baseball I think when you're super involved in a sport especially when it's outside of school if if yours was like that you know you end up meeting so many other people as a kid like is that yours was oh, like an all-star baseball yeah, team kind no of thing? totally I mean I, I I I think that I have a lot more friends today that I wouldn't have had had I just played either not played sports or if I had just played sports at the school that I was going to, you know, all of these people that I, that are still really good friends of mine today. In fact, one of them is the other coach for, for our kids teams. Um, he and I never went to school together. We would not have known each other had it not been for being on the same baseball team when we were 12 and 13 years old. Um, and now 30 years later, we're still friends and we're coaching our kids. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think you have, I have a lot more friends because of that. That's awesome. Any of them in the industry? Corbin Ladner's son is on my team. Uh, so, but no, I don't think any of them, I don't think so. And I'm, I'm trying to think now, but I don't know. I don't think I played baseball. I'm sure I did, but (laughs) I'd have to think, I don't, I don't believe. I don't. I can't think of any right now. Just wondering. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being with us today, and your support in the HBA means so much to us. And you know, we continue to you know look forward to all of the advocacy efforts that we can do, and you know, bring some change to the industry in the future. Yeah, definitely. I think you ladies do a wonderful job. It's it's always fun coming up here and getting involved. I tried to get involved um, before all of you were involved. Were were here. Um, and so I, I tell Karen all the time, I'm, I'm very thankful that, that I'm able to be involved. Well, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed listening to HBA Buildcast. See you next time.